startups are like like flying a plane, you know, like launching. So, you know, at first you get you, you're on the runway and uh, you're you're trying to get the thing moving, right? So, you know, the first bit of momentum down the runway you get all excited about, right? And then the first moment that your wheels take off an inch off the ground, you're excited about. And then you're flying a little bit, but you got to like clear the barn at the end of the runway. And yeah, you clear that. And, and, and then there's a mountain that you got to clear. And yeah. Uh, and then you're flying along and there's turbulence and it's like, oh my God, are we going to crash this thing? And eventually, you know, there's mountains that you got to avoid. But at a certain point, you got, you got to land the plane, right? Because you have investors that came on and you know, we've been at it for a while, but you know, we sold in 2012 and, and it started the company in, in 1999. So, you know, I had investors that were with me for, you know, 12 years, right? And so, um, so you got to land the plane. What would you think of a doctor who put a gym into their clinic? Well, I think I think they'd be pressier. Um, you know, when when you look at what affects when you look at what affects people from an illness perspective, uh, so much derives from lifestyle, and obviously a key part of lifestyle is movement. So, um, healthier muscles means healthier people. So, you know, a gym in, in a clinic makes total sense to me. All right. Well, I mean, I, I asked that question because you put a gym in your clinic, but listeners, welcome to How It's Met, the podcast where we chat with people who are shaping the future of health tech and healthcare. This time around, we have the absolute legend, uh, Dr. Brendan Byrne, uh, currently medical director and co-founder of the Wellness Garage, and also leading a new initiative that we're going to highlight at the end of this conversation, but also the creator of so many more amazing ventures. Brendan, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's been a good week. And uh, yeah, looking forward to the weekend though. Yeah, you're going for your run soon. And we talked a little bit about the paths in Vancouver, which I miss very much right now. But uh, that's not the topic of this conversation. The topic of this conversation is about you. Um, and you started your, I guess, career and the, the trajectory as to where you are now by going to Yale and McGill. Uh, tell us a bit about how that all started and how things came together to melds your passions in entrepreneurship and medicine ah okay that's going way way because i'm old <laughs> way back <laughs> um i ran track in high school and was a decent track runner and so i got the opportunity to run for yale and uh and 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 do that whole uh ivy league thing which um which is a really amazing experience and uh uh i you know i i love that uh i studied uh, neurobiology when I was at Yale. And I think I always thought I was going to go into medicine. Um, so when it came time to, to, to apply, coming back to Canada and going to McGill made a, a ton of sense. Um, so, uh, did that in, in, in my McGill years, I thought I was going to be an orthopedic surgeon and which is kind of funny because I'm not very handy with, <laughs> I'm not very good with my hands. So I don't know what I was thinking, but I kind of got on that path. I think, I think it was because I was a runner and I thought, you know, runners like always, you know, become orthopods and that made sense. But, uh, um, kind of at the, at the last minute, I, I, I redirected and kind of realized as a generalist and, uh, came out to BC, did a rotating internship back when you could just do those and, and, uh, get licensed and get, start practicing. So, um, I, I did that and I, I thought, I thought I would eventually go back and specialize, but very quickly after I, finished my training, um, I got this crazy idea that, um, gee, you know, we, you know, we spend so much time 
gathering information in, in medicine. And we, we, you know, at that time we were storing our paper charts with illegible handwriting. I thought, you know, there, there's technology that could solve this. And, um, so I bought myself a computer, taught myself to program, bought myself a medical practice and started creating software. And, uh, and eventually that actually became a company and, uh, and, 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 and that was kind of a, a whole detour that I hadn't planned on, but, uh, was, was really quite, uh, quite rewarding in so many respects. Talking about detours, we mentioned off the air that, um, your path, I guess, to decide against orthopedic surgery really wasn't that smooth. What stops and starts did you have there? Yeah. So, you know, it's, um, it, it was interesting because, uh, when I was pursuing orthopedics, um, you couldn't go directly into the Canadian match, right? So you'd go, uh, you'd have to do, I think, a general surgery year at that point. I think, and, and, and so I, I was gung ho. I w- knew I wanted to do orthopedics. So, uh, I went down and I did all these, uh, electives down in the States and, uh, and I got really fixed on two places. I wanted to go to Stanford or University of Washington. They were the two best programs at the time. And, and I got, I got fixated on this and, and then I found I was ranked 13th on Stanford's list. And I think like 15th or 20th on, on UW's list. And each of them took like three or four residents. And, and I realized Thanks. I wasn't going to get into either of them. And, uh, it made me really question what I was doing because I realized I was actually just, I was, I was so disappointed by that. Even though other programs had told me that they'd rank me high enough that I'd get in, I realized I was chasing a prize and not necessarily chasing you know, what I wanted to do. Um, so it kind of shook me. Uh, and, and that was when I, I, I put in it uh, for the, you know, rotating internship completely out of the blue. Uh, and, and at that point, when you got matched in Canada, you got, you got pulled out of the U S map. And so, uh, it, it was, I think bewildering to some of my friends because all they heard me talk about was orthopedics. And then the next thing I, they, they, they spit the bell, I'm doing a rotating internship in, in, uh, in New Westminster, BC. Um, but, but it was great. I actually realized when I got there, I realized right away, I, I'm a generalist. I, I, you know, I, I, you know, I like to know something about a lot of things. And, um, and so, um, it, it, it was kind of a way there's, there was clearly something in me that, 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 you know, kind of realized I was, I was pushing myself in a direction that didn't completely fit. Um, and, you know, I mean, I've got high school kids that are just going into university right now and, and I see so many people push themselves for things that might not be the fit for them. Um, and so I, I, I'm always kind of saying, you know, like life gives you some twists and turns and, and, uh, you know, you, you, you often find the right place for yourself over time. Even if you have a few, you know, uh, false starts or I don't even think they're false starts. I think, you know, you, you go on one path, you learn something about yourself, but maybe it's, you learn that that's not you. Um, but. Yeah, this, this was, this was kind of interesting. It just, it was, uh, um, you know, I, I, I joke that the, you know, the, the universe has some plans for us. We just don't always know it. That's certainly true. I've had my own twists and turns, but speaking of twists and turns, it's not exactly average to, uh, realize that paper charts can often be a nuisance and sometimes a hazard. And then to buy a practice and to write and piece of EMR software that gets spot out. So what twists and turns led you to Wolf Medical Systems and how did that story? Well, it, I mean, it was totally delusional, right? Like if you look at it, um, I, I, I mean, the, the, the origin story is actually kind of crazy. I, I was doing, 
uh, I was doing a, an ER shift and, and back then in Vernon, they had this weird thing you do for is Vernon BC. So in the Okanagan, so you do a four hour shift and then you bugger off for eight hours and come back for another four hours. And I, I think it was designed so that people could go skiing. Um, so maybe it had, maybe it made sense, but when I went, I didn't bring my skis at that time. And so I found myself, I did the shift and then I was like, I had nothing to do. Um, and so I was so bored. I was, I was in a London drugs and they had a little computer section. I was so bored. I somehow found myself looking at date books on data basically. And, and, and all of a sudden I was like, wait a second, you know, it, you could, you, you could model, model a clinical record in a database and. Um, so I had no formal studying about this stuff and, and I, I literally bought the book and I, I went home and I, I wrote a database schema before I even, uh, before I even had the computer. Uh, I, I, ha I hadn't even, you know, used a computer before, uh, you know, this, I mean, this is how old I am. So when I was in high school, there were no computers in our high school. When I got to Yale, uh, the Mac came out in 84. I was at Yale 82 to 86. The Mac came out in 84. So few people had Macs. Um, they were ridiculous. Like they had no memory in them. So you had to flop, yeah, have a floppy disk that you, you'd put the software program in and then you'd take it out and then you'd put it back. It was, it was just really ridiculous. So two years after I left high school, they got a computer lab. Two years after I left Yale, they networked the whole college. Um, in medical school, we didn't touch a computer. And two years after I left medical school, they started putting stuff online. Like it, it just followed, right? Um, and so I was kind of that lot, I think the last of the completely, you know, pre-digital era. Um, but my friends were all going into industries that were being changed by, by yeah, kind of early information technology. So it was, it was kind of, you know, and then maybe it's the benefit of, of going to a place like Yale where you have people who go all over the place. And, and so I was always talking to them and, and it was like, you know, like, wow, you know, uh, medicine is such an information centric profession. Once we gather and look at the information, we don't do anything with it. Right. And so, you know, we, we kind of, it just kind of languishes in a chart and we don't, we don't actually kind of do any interpretation. You know, now that it's all digitized, we're realizing, you know, wow, you can do so much with it. You know, you know the machine learning and AI that we're doing now, but back, back then it was, you know, and so I, I really had this vision. What if you, what if you saw a person and, and everything that you were kind of documenting could actually plug in with the rest of their history and you could get some guidance around it? Um, what I didn't know was, you know, you know, just, just how much work it would take to, to digitize, you know, help doctors to digitize their practices. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's the, there's, there's an expression, you know, don't, don't confuse a clear vision with a short distance. And, uh, and so sometimes when you see stuff, you, you have no idea how long it's going to take, but, um, that, that turns out to be, you know, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's probably a two generation, uh, you know, thing that, you know, so you, you have to spend a first generation just digitizing all the, the records and only now are you getting to a place where there's enough digital information that you actually can start to make sense of it. Um, but, but back when, when I started, you know, um, it was good that I was naive and delusional because, um, you know, it was kind of the, you know, the, uh, very close that after that we launched Wolf Medical, the dot com stuff was taking off and there was a lot of venture capital for a lot of different initiatives. And, um, if I'd known more about starting a company, I would have probably gone and raised a bunch of money. Um, and I would have been out of business within two years because uh, it, 
took a quite, it took quite a while for doctors to embrace computers. Uh, it took some, you know, government help. It took some funding. And, uh, and, and so, you know, when you're starting a venture, sometimes too much money at the beginning is actually not helpful. Um, <laughs> for most of the other time, it's, it's, you know, not enough money is, uh, is not helpful. So, I mean, so you started a company that I guess would have languished if you didn't, or if you did raise money. Um, it took a long time. How long did it take it for, uh, did you take for Wolf Medical to scale and be bought out? So we, we started in 99 and, uh, I still was in my practice and in 2001, yeah. we had 50 clinics using our software, predominantly using it for billing right. and scheduling and kind of administrative. Not many people had gone fully paperless at that point. Um, so, but I left my practice in 2001 to go on full time with, with Wolf. Um, you know, by 2005, 2006, we were doing about 3 million a year, about 20, 25 employees we were you know we were technically profitable although there was never any money it just kind of went in the door out the door um but it was it was actually going pretty well for a company that was bootstrapped right um and then the government started getting involved right so uh bc uh committed 108 million dollars to for for program alberta committed a bunch of money um and it was kind of like you know it's like the zen cohen good news bad news you know, the good news, they, they committed this money, right? So it's like, my God, we're, you know, we're the number one vendor in, in BC. We're going to get all this money. Uh, bad news is they're going to go through a procurement process that you, you know, you might not get oh, picked. Boy. And it took 34 months for the first dollar to flow from that program. So, oh. you know, that was bad news. Good, good news. We got, we did get chosen. You know, uh, some of our competitors didn't get chosen. So, so, you know, we, we, we kind of survived that. Um, but yeah, the, the bad news is we had to weather, you know, uh, you know, in 34 months where nobody bought a system from us in BC. Um, fortunately we were, we were, we were going in Alberta. So that kind of kept us, kept us going through that. Um, you know, bad news. We, we, you know, we, 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 we had to build an infrastructure and move everything from, you know, on-premise servers to, uh, you know, data centers, uh, which, which took some money. So we had to raise, you know, four and a half million bucks to do that. Um, you know, good news. We were able to do that. Bad news is, you know, <laughs> we, we almost ran out of that money before, before we scaled. Um, it, yeah, so it was incredibly difficult as we were navigating through it. And it was kind of like, you know, you, you just learn kind of good news, bad news. It's, it's all just news. You just have to deal with it. And, um, we, we start, yeah, you know, things started to really click, uh, kind of 20, 2010. Yeah, you know, we, 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 we went from almost a, a near death where we almost ran out of cash to, uh, finally being really profitable all within six months and um, sales weren't the issue. It was just, it was just getting the cash through the company. And, uh, uh by 2011, we were, we were finally kind of realizing that, that, you know, this, this was a great business. Um, you know, it, 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 you know, it was an early fast business. Um, and, it, and we were profitable. And, and so from that point onwards, it, it was going to be, uh, quite a different story. Um, uh, almost, almost at that, the point of that kind of, you know, realization, Telus kind of knocked at our door and said, they wanted to get into the space and, and there, there's no dominant Canadian player. We were a leading company in Western Canada. Um, so they, they, they proposed that they would buy our company and build their physician, you know, EMR unit around our company. So. So they bought it. I became 
a VP of what was physician solutions at that time, we went out and bought practice solutions from the Canadian Medical Association. And then we, 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 we bought a Quebec EMR. And so instantly we, we were a national player and it had, you know, leading market share. Uh, we did a few other acquisitions. I think I did five acquisitions in the three years that I ran that, that, uh, wow. that group. Um, and then we combined it with the pharmacy group to call it provider solutions. So we were, you know, we were about 600 people, 110 million in revenue when, when I was there. Uh, so it was quite a, it was, it was quite a, quite an entity. Uh, and then I, I took six months, <laughs> six months off and, uh, and, and I, you know, did a sabbatical with my family. We did around the world trip. Um, and, and that was kind of, I, I was, I, I, I felt I had done my EMR stint at that point. Um, so it was, you know, I, when, when Telus acquired us, I said, you know, I, I wanted to give them three years. I committed to giving them three years and, uh, and, but I, 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 I left. Well, I left on the sabbatical three years to the day that, that we, we were acquired. So, um, the, the, the neat part was that, you know, the people at Telus were great. Paul Lepage, who was, was my boss then had, uh, yeah, he, he was awesome. Cause I had planned just to leave and he was like, well, go on your sabbatical, come back as chief innovation officer. And, uh, so I came back and Telus for another couple of years as chief innovation officer. And, and that was really fun because I got to explore all the different, um, you know, emerging technologies in, in health. And so, you know, I, I, I first learned, you know, I remember learning about deep learning, you know, and Jeremy Howard lecture in 2015 and blown away by, by, by what was happening there, how these neural networks. Um, and, and we did a, we did a startup program back then where we took 75 startups through a process we called first step. And, uh, and, and really tried to see the world through the, the eyes of the startup and, and then bring that, some of that thinking back to, to tell us as, uh, as, as a company trying to, you know, trying to scale these solutions. So it, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. How did your life, uh, that had the good news, bad news in a startup contrast or integrate with your experience in kind of a more corporate entity like tell us? There must have been a huge difference there. The most dangerous time was when we were growing fast because um, you had to hire people. You had to, you know, at that point in the Alberta pro program, we, we actually had to buy all the hardware for the clinics and then we'd get paid back afterwards, right? Like it was this crazy, oh, crazy thing. So, um, so everything could be going well, but you might not have cash in the bank. So, so you kind of constantly felt the, uh, the sort of Damocles above your head, like it was, you're, you're constantly kind of waiting for something that could take you out. Um, terrifying. It, it, it was terrifying. Um, so we, li we lived and breathed as a, as a small company, a startup, you live and breathe cash flow. And, uh, and so the weirdest part of going into a company like Telus is, is it's like cash doesn't exist, right? Like it just, you know, there's a different finance department and infinite cash for, for things. Um, there's different things that happen in big companies and, and there's different priorities and there's things that are completely outside and arbitrary to your business that, that get imposed upon you. And, um, and that was the, I think the hard part about being in a, in a, a bigger company is when there's other things going on, there's, there's kind of edicts that come down around spending or edicts that come down around hiring that have nothing to do with your business and make no sense to your business. And so, but you have to, you kind of have to roll with us. Um, 
So, so that was really different, right? And particularly to sell myself as a corporate person. I mean, I, I you know, I, the only real employer I've had is Telus, right? I, I've been self-employed all the way through in, in Illinois since. So, um, so, you know, I, I have nothing else to judge them by other, other than, you know, there was a lot of process that, that didn't always make sense to the business unit that you had to navigate with. Um, but you know, the, the, the people there were first class and, in and I mean, I was treated incredibly well by, by everybody. So I, I have nothing, you know, but positive memories of, of, of doing, you know, doing that. Um, and it, it, you know, the other thing with a startup that, you know, I, I joke that startups are like, like flying a plane, you know, like one, you know, so, you know, at first you get, you, you're on the runway and, uh, you're, you're trying to get the thing moving. Right. So, you know, the first bit of momentum down the runway, you get all excited about, right. And then the first moment that your wheels take off an inch off the ground, you're excited about. And then you're flying a little bit, but you got to like clear the barn at the end of the runway. And yeah, you clear that. And, and, and then there's a mountain that you got to clear. And yeah. You know, uh, and then you're flying along and there's turbulence and it's like, oh my God, are we going to crash this thing? And eventually, you know, there's mountains that you got to avoid. But at a certain point, you got, you got to land the plane, right? Because you have investors that came on and, you know, we've been at it for a while, but you know, we sold in 2012 and, and it started the company in, in 1999. So. You know, I had investors that were with me for, you know, 12 years. Right. And so, um, so you got to land the plane and, um, and, and in a way when, when we sold, you know, everyone got a job. So everybody that there's no, no layoffs with our, with, with our sale, all of our investors got at least a four X return. So, um, you know, that was the minimum. So everybody did well from a financial perspective, uh, and. And it, you know, and we, we sold it to to a group that wanted to build it, right? And so that was it was it was a real, you know, it was a real win to to, to do that and kind of close that chapter and, and then and then start a new one. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of How It's Med. If you liked what you heard, the best way to support us is to go to your podcast platform, be it Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever you like and to give us a rating and a recommendation or a comment so that others can best find us. If you can't do that, then we'd really appreciate it if you could share your favorite episode with those that you care about and who you think would find our work interesting. Till next time.